0: For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network.
1: In a world where an online neckbeard keyboard militia take down every movie under the sun, three vigilantes patrol the airwaves, uncovering the truth in the name of cinematic justice and fairness. Their names are Rob, Simon and James, for your reconsideration, assaulting your eardrums most Mondays.
0: Oh, I need some lozenges. <laughs> deeply painful. I, I think we we also need to buy more music licenses now. <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: hoping,
0: but I'm hoping that's been taken care of now. By the time people are listening to this, I'm hoping we've sorted that. How are you, boys? Are you okay? I'm great, mate. Wonderful. Yeah,
2: good, thank you, mate. Good stuff, good stuff. What have you boys been watching this week? Uh, I caught up with Alita Battle Angel, ah. which everyone seems pretty lukewarm on, but I really liked, oh, cool. to be honest. I thought it was really, really good. Is
1: it the, the one with the, um, the CGI big eyes?
2: Yeah, 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 it was ace. It was cool. really good. Cool. I need it to drop a couple of percent on Rotten Tomatoes to get it on the pod. <laughs> I
1: look forward to that.
2: But yeah, it, it was ace. Um, I can see why sort of Cameron wanted to do it, and he was sort of umming and in whether to do that one or or Avatar because he sort of does the Avatar thing. There's a lot of world building and tech and what have you built onto a a little bit of a generic sort of origin story. But then it's going to it, the plan would have been if the Disney merger hadn't taken place to open up the world. Then after that, uh, I really enjoyed it, and you know we right. were discussing Waterworld last week and how. That was like a really violent 12. This one is a really violent mm. 12 certificate. Whoa.
1: Oh, you mean Battle, battle yeah, uh, Later, yeah, whatever yeah. it's called. They, they yeah. get
2: away with it because it's cyborg on cyborg violence, but there's decapitations, limbs flying everywhere, faces being cut off. Sheesh. It's really ace, and the effects are...
0: Sounds good. <laughs> I should definitely... Ha- yeah, it's really? Really? Got- that does sound good. That does sound good. Is it like a really long one? Because it feels like No, it's two hours. Bang oh, on two hours. Perfect. I don't know why I didn't why I haven't seen this. It's uh
2: Robert Rodriguez's best film since the faculty, which me and Simon were waxing local oh, a yes. few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hang on a minute. Is it is it Robert Rodriguez? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well. Oh, don't know whether that fits with my sensibilities. You know, my uh independent cinema. Sensibilities that I just made up. You don't have any right of those. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I made it up. I just, I just admitted I made it up. Ah, so, What about you? What have you been watching?
0: Uh, nothing. Still nothing. Cinema, sadly, since we last spoke. But uh, I, I caught a film with my missus called The Love Witch. Have you heard of The Love Witch? No,
1: no, no. Please,
0: it, it's it's quite it's quite a bizarre little movie. Tiny, tiny movie. I think the budget was something like two hundred thousand dollars. It's so like visually striking. It's about a, like a modern witch who sort of creates spells and like love spells and that to go from, to find her like one true love and she like seduces loads of men in, it's like it's set in California. But it's all shot in the style of like a 60s technicolor horror film. Ah, So like that's the whole look of it is like it's just been pulled straight out the 60s and it's a bit of a sort of joke on it as well because remember Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Yes. In, which is full blown parody of that sort of stuff. This sort of straddles the line between like parody and, uh, what's the word? Homage. But it's really, really good. It was written, directed, edited, produced, and scored all by the same person. Uh, she's called Annabilla. She's great. She's really good. She's definitely got like an eye for. Well, everything by the looks of it. <laughs> st- well, yeah. Yeah, she's great, and she also did the costume design on it as well. She handcrafted all the costumes. Wow!
1: Around. Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, which led me on to so after we watched that film, my um, so so me and my uh, my girlfriend, who is now my fiance,
1: oh yeah,
0: <laughs> keep calling her girlfriend that'll go down really well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were watching that film, and she at the end of it, she was like, "Okay, so uh, the theme of our wedding is going to be the Love Witch." <laughs> so I. I just sent out a, a tweet and said, "Oh my, m- Mrs. Really loves it. Uh, this is the theme of the wedding." And then just tweeted Anna Biller and said, "Would you mind making the wedding dress?" And then she got back and sent me like details of all the uh, the actual material used. No and way! The dress that's and so cool! <laughs> and she just sent me all this info about the dress she made for the film. And I was like, "Oh, thanks." <laughs> that's oh, really that's nice. really nice.
1: <laughs> How lovely! Yeah. Uh, so she's
0: one of the good guys, it seems. Oh, oh kind of well, is. yeah, we need that. So yeah, Love Witch. It's uh, it's mad, but it's very, it's very cool. It's awesome, very cool. awesome. Well, I'm just um, added it to the watch list, Simon. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. My watch list is rather large. That doesn't seem to have any, you know, impact as ever made in it. But um, <laughs> my what I've watched this week. Um, I'm going to start saying that my my weekly watch is sponsored by Dragon Soup.
0: Uh, Which is a. Are they returning? Have you had dragon soup? No, no, (laughs) no, I haven't actually. Dragon
1: soup, (laughs) spelt with two O's, is a fortified fermented schnapps drink containing high levels of caffeine. Uh, So. (laughs) (laughs) And it is bright green, I have to add. I feel these are an attainable sponsor. Uh... <laughs> I think we might be able to get Dragon Soup. So my, my uh, until they say no, my weekly pick is sponsored by Dragon Soup. Um <laughs> until they, you know, until there's a lawsuit. But anyway, Dragon, according to Dragon Soup, I'm still watching The Big Bang Theory. I also started Galveston, which is a Ben Foster starring. Welcome back to the podcast, Ben Foster. It's a Ben Foster starring um, mob movie or gangster movie that was written by Nick Pizzolato, who, well, the book, sorry, was written by Nick Pizzolato, which I absolutely adored the book. Uh, Nick Pizzolato is the guy who co-wrote um, True Detective, so... Um, ah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Awesome
1: stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've been enjoying that. I was about 10 minutes in until um, the dog needed a poo, so <laughs> I had to stop that. Um, but we've had a major scientific breakthrough in the household this week, um, because my, my children's cries for a third Paul Blart Mall Cop movie were reaching feverish levels. <laughs> and then my daughter saw, as she was on Netflix, she saw the poster for The Zookeeper, starring Kevin James. Oh, no. and she said there it is there's three there it is <laughs> so I was like what do you think you know what so I, Paul Blart zookeeper <laughs> seriously so she just thinks so we put it on and yeah she thinks yes they made a new Paul Blart movie and um, yeah so she thinks that Paul Blart Mall Cop is uh, well it's, this is the third Mall Cop movie so I just said yeah yeah he changed career he's now a zookeeper and she totally bought it so now I can't wait to go through here comes the boom where he becomes a cage fighter <laughs> I can't think of a person on the planet who doesn't want to see Paul Blart as a cage fighter
2: <laughs> James don't you laugh at that <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm just worried for you when the uh, kids realise that uh, there's a sitcom starring Kevin James called King of Queens which has about 400 episodes uh, no I'm not worried about that. Can you imagine how happy they'll be when they find out they've made a series about Paul Blart (laughs) and there's 400
1: episodes? (laughs) Honestly, anything that stars Kevin James now is an offshoot of the Paul Blart universe. You know, um, like, um, what's that one called that he was in with Adam Sandler and Chris Rock? Grown-ups. Grown-ups. Yeah, no, that's just a Paul Blart (laughs) spin-off. Another Paul Blart spin-off. So, seriously, this is Breakthrough. This is a breakthrough, um but another thing that really caught us this week was I saw the trailer for uh, well sorry the the much complained about trailer that then became this trailer of Sonic the Hedgehog. Have
0: you guys seen this? Yes, I watched it, yeah. Oh, the new one. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've seen both, yes.
2: Yes, Yes. yeah.
1: So the first one, um, Sonic had human teeth and it was god-awful. And, I mean, even I think, you know, I'm going to also agree that it was absolutely (laughs) disgusting. Um, Yes, it was. (laughs) What I
2: don't understand about that is the VFX team, right? That's got to be studio notes. It's like, have you seen the game? They've done it for you, right? Just copy that. That's what everybody wants. (laughs) If you're interested in a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, just do that. Right, well, <laughs> it's done. Done it for you, lads. Like you can clock off early on Friday now. You don't have to mess about doing something different. No, I mean, and like the the Sonic design has been iconic since
1: Sonic One came out. You don't need to tinker with <laughs> exactly, that at yeah, all. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what moron then said. Like, you know what? Can we just get an orthodontist in or a CGI orthodontist and give him a full set and separate his?
0: But well, he was
2: tall as well. Yeah, and like, and like humanly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Pro- oh, he was more humanoid. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. I think they uh, conspiracy theorist Simon over here. Welcome to Conspiracy Theory Corner.
1: Sponsored by Dragon Soup.
0: Let me get me my tin foil out. <laughs> I think it was done on purpose to drum up some interest for it. Oh! To make people talk about it. Now that is interesting.
1: And you work because, in the industry,
0: mate, so this is interesting. Well, pure speculation. I mean, I, am cl- I would really not be surprised if, and this is probably what the actual truth was, was that... Some exec told them what to do. And all the CGI artists were like, that's shit. We have Everyone's to do Everyone's gonna it. fucking hate it. this. And then they're like, <laughs> no, no, trust me, it's, you know, I'm making I'm calling the shots blah blah blah. <sighs> that's probably what happened. But my conspiracy, more exciting side of <laughs> it was all done on purpose. And it was all it's all been a stooge and a setup to just get people talking about it. Because does anyone really want a Sonic the Hedgehog movie? It's like a 90s yeah. character of a uh, now defunct computer brand. I mean, <laughs> so uh, uh, it's so aren't, aren't, we,
1: aren't we the target market for this? Like, mid-30s dudes.
0: Well, yeah, we were, because we I were mean, the they
2: are still doing. making Sonic games, though.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but they're not like... He's always with someone, isn't he? He's always, yeah, like, it's yeah, always yeah. like Mario and Sonic or driving games. a car. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Which is not necessary when you run at the speed of light. So. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But so, you know, like, I-, I can't speak for you guys, but I won't be saying... Becky, can I use my one yearly cinema trip on Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> what about you guys?
0: No, uh, no, I won't be going. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I feel I have to go and see it now. Well, a lot of people should feel they have to go and see it because everyone kicked off about it and they actually listened to people for once. I hope,
1: I hope every single one of those... Online neckbeard keyboard militia. Yeah, yeah. I hope they that they're is. all signing right in to go and see
0: it, because this is what you wanted. If it doesn't break a billion dollars, I'm going to be very <laughs> pissed off at all those, like angry.
1: Second biggest film of all time, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog.
2: I think if you've got a tweet on your timeline that has you complaining about the original Sonic trailer, then you are contractually <laughs> obligated <laughs> to buy a ticket yeah. and go.
1: <laughs> now, the only I, I've been thinking, that one of the only good things that might come out of this is just how valuable a Sonic movie poster one sheet must be with the original weird design on it. <laughs> now if, like, I think it might be a really niche thing in future. You know, if like in a Tarantino film when he's like 80 <laughs> and someone <laughs> goes to someone's house in it and they've got a Sonic poster <laughs> with the weird original design on it. <laughs> like, And the, the dialogue, like, what the hell is this? You know, like... <laughs> I think that'd be really cool, but it got me thinking because I clicked on it, and then i ended up I ended up being offered, you know, like when you finish watching something, it gives you what do you watch next, and one of them was like the the ten worst trailers of 2019, and <laughs> you know, actually, you know, it was quite a comprehensive list. But then, you know, we always like the positivity on this podcast. I got to thinking about trailers that really, really did it for me, you know, like really knocked my socks off and mm. smashed it for me. So, what like? I wanted to ask you guys, like, what are the best trailers you've ever seen? And these might also have um, a, hinge of, a hint of nostalgia to them. So, you know, what are you thinking?
2: Oh, I've got a few, actually, Rob. I mean, yeah, I, let's try go, man. To, to uh, I try to avoid seeing too many trailers where I can, mm. because I like to go in relatively cold, obviously, yeah. Yeah. doing a film podcast. Um, and being involved in film in some description, I get an idea of what's coming out, so I sort of know what everything's about. So if I don't want anything spoiled too much, I'll kind of avoid a trailer. Yeah, yeah. But what I quite enjoy is when there's a movie that I don't really care about, and then I actually see the trailer for it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to see this immediately. Yeah, yeah, Like, take my money right now. So ones that sort of change your perception... Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Like so I uh, the one that got me probably most recently in the last 10 years was the the uh, trailer for the first Creed movie because oh. I heard that was going into production and I was like who cares like do we need another Rocky and I'm a huge Rocky fan yeah, I yeah. thought it was done after Rocky Balbo I was like whatever and then I saw the trailer for that movie and I was like I have to see this film mm. immediately it looks absolutely immense and it was so yeah, yeah that was, was brilliant it's it was.
0: one of the best ones isn't it it's quality yeah it's amazing Yeah, yeah.
2: It, it, was, it was like I didn't realise that I really wanted a film about um, oh, Apollo Creed um, you know um, L- little it was sun. sun yeah yeah <laughs>
1: See that, that, how good's that? That the, yeah. the, the trailer actually managed to totally...
2: yeah, It gave you something you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly, yeah. How and good's I was like, that? I was like, that's amazing. So that was that was brilliant. But I would say probably my... Uh, I mean, Christopher Nolan always has great trailers for his movies because you never know really what they're about until they come out. Yeah, because yeah. he's got that Hitchcock thing going on where he wants to keep everything a secret, which is great. But my favourite, so I was sort of looking through... Uh, a few, and one that uh, jumped out at me was the trailer for the very first Alien mm, oh, in 1979.
0: Remember that, that's like a good reference point, isn't it? Like, as a, how to do it. Yeah, trailer. yeah.
2: Yeah, there's no dialogue in the trailer whatsoever, and it just starts up uh, on the egg, and then the the letters slowly come up spelling out the title of the film, and then it just cuts to just bedlam on the nostromo with that. Woo! <laughs> oh, on, the, yeah. uh, on the soundtrack. So and then, cool. at the, and then at the end it's just the tag in space, no one can hear you scream. Oh, if oh, I yeah. saw that in like 1978 or 1979, like I'd be like, we're going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> in in what, it cinema. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It, it, imagine seeing that for the first time in the cinema. You would be your socks would be well and truly blown off. <laughs> yeah, yeah incinerated
2: I'm- socks <laughs> exactly and you you don't see the creature or anything you've got no idea just that the movie's called alien and everyone looks fucking terrified it's
1: <laughs> so, so so cool and such a good point um because i think that like there's something can definitely be said for seeing a trailer in the theater and not on your laptop yes as well you know um so yes yeah, so, sorry si what what about you what what trailers have hit you
0: uh, well, yeah, I've got I've got like a few as well. Um, just ones what just totally jumped out when you know immediately from getting that question, Rob. Yeah, a film we've covered on the pod. The reason I went to see it at the cinema was because it was an amazing trailer, Tron Legacy. The trailer oh yeah, for that yeah. When yeah. I first saw that, like that, that was good. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah just like, This good. looks absolutely amazing, and the, the with all the Daft Punk track going on in the back, and I was Oof, just like, yeah. oh, this just looks brilliant. Um, and then similarly, Watchmen as well, when the Watchmen trailer came out. Yeah, that yeah. was a good trailer. Yeah, yeah I remember. All the that. hype surrounding that, and that just got me somewhat really excited for the same reasons, like looked really good um, and just totally won me over in terms of the idea of making this seminal classic graphic novel into a movie.
2: Yeah. Oh, side just a quick tangent. Have you started watching the new Watchmen I have, TV series I have. yet? Is it I good? It's it. Po- I'm bank I'm banking them to so that I can binge them in a couple of weeks. So I haven't started yet.
0: I've only seen the first two episodes, but it does start very, very well. And it's just because I had I do not seen any trailers or adverts for that series. Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea whether it was a uh, remake, whether it was doing the same thing again or something completely new. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's really good.
2: Sorry yeah, that um, just jogged no, my no, memory. I mean I know so so you're see, a big fan of that film goes, so
0: I wondered it if you was Yeah we we a fan of the graphic novels though. Si? Uh yeah no I loved them and I I yeah. really loved um I love the film and I, the changes they it's made to the film which which annoyed a lot of the purists of the comic I actually thought worked for the better because some things that like obviously great in in the comic and work not but you know you have to real with films you'll cater into a uh, much wider audience and it's uh, you know a lot less niche and some things are a bit would be would have been a bit ridiculous if they'd put mm. that into a film. So yeah I, lo- I love the film. But the one trailer what re- what I will always go back as like holy shit that like what is that fucking movie was the very first trailer for Cloverfield.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was so cool.
0: I can't remember what film it was. I'd never heard of it, I didn't, I just, just this trailer started, and it was, just had no idea what it was, and usually sometimes, like, modern trailers kind of just give away everything, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Show you everything, show you the main story beats, show you some good set pieces, blah, blah. Cloverfield just showed you some sound effects, some weird, like, quick cut, like, little bits of people being a bit frantic, and then the Statue of Liberty's head rolling down the street. And just yeah. Thought, what was that? <laughs> <I>
1: think, <laughs> what was that, that? I think it's. i would totally forgotten that side when I when I asked the question. But that might be like one of the most iconic trailer moments of all time. I think that the the rolling Statue of Liberty head.
0: Yeah, it was, and I, and I love that. Um, I love Cloverfield. Oh, I do. I I love it.
1: I think. Um, oh, I love those suggestions because now I'm going to spend the rest of the evening after the record
0: watching these
1: back. You know these, um these trailers, but um I, I thought like, yeah, definitely the all but one of the trailers I've seen that really properly blew me away. Cause a few weeks ago, didn't we? We shared, you know, when they did the new Star Wars trailer, we shared that video of that guy, you know, who watched it and, you know, when 3PO said Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. And oh, he my went, God.
2: Don't, don't, don't. No, no. <laughs> Stop,
0: don't,
1: <go> I know, <laughs> oh, no. But the, there was that video of that guy doing a reaction video. I'm like, what? What? Ah! And it was, it was like, I couldn't get that excited about it because it's right there. But I remember in 2001, I think it was. Um, Going to the cinema, I can't remember what I saw, but they had the Star Wars Attack of the Clones trailer on that was for next summer. Yeah, yeah. And um, the music was unbelievable. And that shiny uh, Lucasfilm logo. And it was before I had internet access, so I'd never seen it before. And I I wish I could remember what film it was I went to see. Because I went to see it a few times so I could watch the trailer a few times. That was the only only reason I went to see it. It had been Spider-Man, maybe? No, Spider-Man came out the same summer. Oh. So, yeah, it was tough. Um, Tough for me to remember, I should say. Um, But that had the real event movie massive scale to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The other one was um, in 95, when I first started going to the cinema by myself, I saw the trailer for Independence Day in the cinema. And that was like, what the hell is this? You
2: know, yeah, It that was, was a good trailer. I remember. It that. really I remember was. I was so yeah. excited.
1: Yeah, it was way too big, much bigger than anything I'd ever seen before, or anything like that. But I think, like as much as I've said there, that I really love being in the cinema for trailers, and I'll always hold that. But one of my favourite trailer watching experiences was with you guys. Oh right. Um, and I'm quite, you know, I'm I'm actually offended you've not remembered. Um, TMNT. No, 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 no. That, that will always live. <laughs> that will always live in the memory. No, we we um we were in lectures in two thousand and six, possibly seven, and we got word. I don't know how we got word. It might have been through Facebook, early Facebook or whatever. Like so,
2: Probably um, friends reunited or nice <laughs> <my space>. faces. Bebo, <laughs> Bebo, bring back Bebo. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, we got word that the uh, Transformers trailer had dropped.
2: Oh, oh yeah, I remember yeah. that first.
1: I remember, trailer. yeah, and we went up to the computer suite and we watched it there over and over and over. It was the, one of the first trailers I'd ever seen on the um, on a on a computer. And I remember, do you remember? There's that one shot of the Transformer going. Uh, with the bus, you know, messing up the bus or throwing, sort of yeah, blowing yeah, up a yeah, bus. Yeah. And I remember, we kept pausing on it in quick time, like, whoa, 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 God, man.
2: Uh, Did was, we not have to keep pausing it because it was still buffering?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: there was definitely that
1: as well. Um, but yeah, so thats I think that's my favourite trailer moment. It was shared with you guys, you
0: know. Transformers was a great trailer, wasn't it? And I, it because was. that was so in line with... Us as children, you know, like, growing uh, yeah, up and yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. I, yeah,
1: I still love that movie anyway, you know, regardless. I like
2: the first. That film. first one's okay. Yeah. That first yeah. one's okay.
1: Yeah. Um. No Love for the Third?
2: Yeah. I don't think I've seen it, to be honest with you, Rob. I gave up well, after the second one. Stanley Tucci is swinging for the fences and you've all got to watch it. Is that the third one? I thought that was the fourth one with Marky Mark. So you don't you can't even get them straight in your own neck I can't even There's
1: get them right in my own. Head. I've just merged three and four together in one go. Because I didn't like four, <laughs> yeah. but three was
0: all no on Which confused, one's man. which one's the, the moon one? Three to one on the moon. moon. Yeah. The, of the, moon. the opening sequence to the third yes. one is amazing. Yes, it's it is. Really yeah. good. Yeah. And then it no. takes a steep nosedive <laughs> after
1: that. I think that that's a very, very fair
0: point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes, <laughs>
1: yes, it is. Um, no, cool, lovely discussion, boys. I like that. Um, incidentally, the other trailers that featured on the worst trailers list for this year was the Cats trailer.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> that freak- I can't stop watching it though. Yeah. I think I watched. I it mean, about it's 50 I mean, it's worst slash
2: best because I was I've watched it about fifty times. You've had enough of you, you know, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I
1: I saw the first minute of it was like. Not for me that. Not for me. You know, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so
2: funny. It's absolutely hilarious. Someone signed off on that. <laughs> it's
0: so weird. Cats with, with sexy asses. <laughs> <It's so
1: weird. laughs> yeah, it's a bit strange that for me. Um, and the other one was uh, one of the other ones like, I can remember is this new. Um, uh, what's that? Amelia Clarke, uh Christmas movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Last Christmas, said, yeah. Yeah, they said the trailer for it was terrible because it gave away one of the main third act reveals in the trailer. I didn't know what it was because I've not seen it, so I don't know.
2: I don't know. What I it... think I've seen the trailer and I think I could... F- I was sort of going, ooh, that's a bit... I've not seen the film, so I can't say. No, but is Bruce, I was, I was Willis, like,
0: is Bruce Willis a ghost? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, not, it's not a million miles away from what I could tell
0: <laughs> No, is that what's happened?
1: <laughs> spoilers! Spoiler! You know, I watched that trailer. No, I know there's later. a
2: twist. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> that's the thing. You know, when um, I know this is a slight segue, but like, you know, when um, uh, when um, you get I get sent books to review now with work or with my job, and a lot of them say, you know, like, oh, there's an amazing twist in that in this book, and all I spend is the whole like 300 pages waiting for a twist. that. yeah, know. it is. yeah. It's like, you know, it it shouldn't
0: should, say that. They shouldn't it say, say that. It I think it, it,
1: should, it should say it.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, uh, that episode of the IT Crowd, isn't it? (laughs) When the the new Tarantino film comes out, and then someone he's on the phone to someone, he goes, "I don't want anyone spoiling it." And someone rings up, and the first thing he says is, "Oh, that twist at the end!" And then the whole thing, Roy's just going like, "Oh, now I know there's a twist." Oh, come on!
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. Ruins if you know there's a twist, it ruins it. It will ruin anything.
0: Hi, I'm Cork Dunn, and I'm the host of the Writer Experience Podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk to writers and creative professionals about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Our guests include comic book writers, screenwriters, novelists, TV writers and showrunners, poets, and actors. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And of course, on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you there.
1: Can I ask now whose movie it was this week?
0: It's mine this week. (laughs) i got to apologise in advance, as I think I'm taking a bit of a gamble with this one. (laughs) 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 Uh, Alas, I shall uh, proceed forthwith into medieval England in... Cor (laughs) blimey No, It's medieval England And the city of Londinium To be precise
2: for
0: For a cockney well, cockney geezer Take on the age old fable of King Arthur And the legend of the sword
2: Listen to me I need you to do as I tell you. I need to get you and the boy away from here. Protect the, king! Protect
1: the king! Did you see everything you needed to see?
2: I saw enough.
0: Why is the water dropped? Why does the sword reveal itself now?
1: any desire to achieve it.
0: That's what all the fuss is about. Don't worry. You'll soon understand what all the fuss is about. Are you scared? I think I can manage. You should be scared.
1: Whatever it takes to hunt him down.
2: If I go down, you follow him. If he goes down, you follow me. You want him to think big? give you something big to think about. You wanted the prophecy?
1: This is your prophecy. The man who pulled sword from stone.
2: Behold, your born king.
1: No, so, why did you pick this
0: one? Uh, quite a simple reason really. Uh when this came out, it like I remember it got pretty slated and mocked relentlessly. So, I gave it gave it a miss as did by like, most people. But I was on a long haul flight to the states with work. I think it was sometime last year. So, all, I I love long haul flights because all you do is just watch movies and movies you you know wouldn't see in your normal free time and it was odd. I was like I needed a couple of hours to pass and I was like you, you just wanted something a bit fun a bit brainless and I was just like oh stick King Arthur on um, tick and <laughs> I I just I, d- I don't know whether it was the pressure in the cabin or the fact I'd had <laughs> The fact I'd had several gin and tonics and beers and a lot of alcohol, but I just re- I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. So I was like, oh, I don't, it's not, you know, it's good. So, yeah. Um, oh, so that's why I so picked nice, it. Cy, this is so nice, I love that this is
1: like, this is such a nice position for me to be in because it's usually me defending a film that no one else likes. it's <laughs> just so, so nice to enjoy the role reversal
0: here.
1: Uh, uh uh, cool, cool. Well, in which, you know, um, very noble reasons that you just enjoyed it. I like that. Uh, but how does it qualify in our very strict FYR criteria?
2: So, uh, allegedly, this was supposed to be the first instalment in a planned six film series. Yes, six. <laughs> we We're going to make six of these. But those plans were scrapped after it bombed unceremoniously at the box office. So the, cool. uh, it made 148.675 <laughs> million million worldwide off a $175 million budget and made less than $40 million in the US. Wow. Uh, and reputedly lost $153.2 million for Warner Brothers, according to a 2018 oh, report on Deadline.
0: So... So with Warner Brothers, because this is post-Harry Potter, isn't it? So they're desperate for a franchise franchise, to replace Harry Potter and they were just, like, giving anything to anyone.
2: (laughs) Particularly one that's in the public domain so they don't have to pay any rights for. (laughs) like legends. Anyone can make a King Arthur movie. But, like, uh, yeah, it has not gone well.
1: (laughs) It has not. So this this movie cost as much as rumoured ballpark...
2: Uh, Waterworld. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, with inflation, it's like twice the budget of Waterworld. Dear
1: me! <laughs> it's, 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 there's a lot going on. I mean that's one of the things that stuck with me while watching it was just how big the budget must have been for this.
2: Yeah. But, humongous, I mean, yeah.
1: Gosh, I didn't know that. I I mean, because I was looking at it and I was thinking, Guy Ritchie, like, how'd they do this on 40 million quid? You know, <laughs> I was just
2: thinking <laughs> thought he had his usual his usual purse. I tell you what though. After watching this, I'm so desperate to see his take on Aladdin. It's like, oh, come on, Abu, we've got to go to this naughty <laughs> <classic> <laughs> cave of secrets, get some wonders and find us a fucking genie. He's a fucking <laughs> diamond in a raffity. Yeah. <laughs> Come oh. on, a boo, you sigh. <laughs> are we? Are
1: we? Are we going to talk about the cockney a bit now, or do we do it later? I mean,
2: I think it's going to come. I think it's going to punctuate it'll the discussion. Uh, <laughs> just,
1: I, I, I cannot think why it needs to happen, but that's there. We go. I don't. You know, why does it have to be like that?
2: But anyway, anyway. On that, Rob, do you want to know what the pitch for the movie was?
1: Oh yeah, please tell
2: uh, me. It was Lord of the Rings meets Snatch. That's how Guy Ritchie got this movie greenlit. Lord
1: of the Rings meets Snatch.
0: Sold. Here's two hundred million dollars, guys. Do your, <laughs> wo- do your worst, and he did. And he didn't even put Jason Statham in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh!
1: Can you think of a, a a pair of films that should never cross, Lord of the Rings <laughs> and Snakes? I mean, if that was his goal, yeah. Well, you've quite you've done it. Well done. <laughs> well, yeah. you know? It's like challenge completed. You know, executed um,
2: perfectly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: dear me anyway anyway so um we know that it bombed uh simon critically how did it fare
0: uh it uh, five stars everywhere no it really didn't um <coughs> but, but <laughs> the critics did not appreciate the lock stock treatment of king arthur at all it got completely panned like left right and center really? and it was all for like the same reasons that it's a bit of a mess, bit long. Yeah. They don't understand why it's more King Arthur daily than King Arthur of Camelot. <laughs> um, <laughs> like too much CGI, things like that.
2: There is a lot of CGI like in if, this. Yeah,
0: if we go to that yeah. metric, Rotten Tomatoes, 30%, so a pretty low one. Metacritic, 41 so again, still pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, it wouldn't be a complete episode if it wasn't for our mate, Mick LaSalle. Get in there, Mick. What have you got? Article. Mick gave it one star. Oof! Oh! It's not click. No, it's as far not as, as Mick's concerned. Uh, just, a sh- <laughs> just a short, a short little excerpt from from his review. Uh, King Arthur: Legend of the Sword is not like any other movie about Camelot. To start, it's a lot worse.
1: <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Sick
0: burn. Uh, oh, actually, that's, that's now, the
1: meanest thing Mix ever said. I think.
0: Yeah, I think now now I've started to actually read through when they're available the whole the entirety of his reviews. He's really good. <laughs> I really
1: like. <laughs> him. Is he? Oh, I
0: think I just think I love this guy. Um, no, he's great. And
1: the fact that we've, we we uh, we sort of came into contact with his ouvre um, off the back of his click review makes it even yeah. better.
0: Yeah, I love it. We, I, 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 we need to start tagging him and hope he listens and sees oh, his name do. every week. Uh, going to the audience <laughs> metrics though, it's a lot better. Sixty-nine uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh right. Yeah, seven seven point two on Metacritic. Does any point in going to Letterboxd? Two point eight, just all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. I, I love- again, as always. <laughs> As always, there's a, there, is a gold, there is a nugget of gold on the old letterbox in terms of the reviews. Um, this is from uh, someone called Ellie, who reviewed it. Three stars. Uh, her review simply reads, I read a negative review of this that described it as a movie for people who love Charlie Hunnam and leather pants. And I was like, whoa, buddy, quit the pitch. You've already made the sale. <laughs> 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 oh, I love lighter box. Brilliant! <laughs> it's so good. See, the, How many, many stars? Uh, she three gave me
2: three, that. three out. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah, those leather pants did a lot of the heavy lifting there. I think.
1: <laughs> you know, is that because she saw Charlie Hunnam in leather pants and it didn't, it didn't work for her? I don't, I don't know. Amazing, amazing. Um, so, I mean, we've got the usual things that we all look for uh, in the movies, but um, it's a Guy Ritchie movie, isn't it?
2: It is. How do we feel about Guy Ritchie as a director? He's With very fans? Hit and miss, isn't he?
0: Actually,
2: yeah. Hit and miss.
1: I think when he plays it more straight and he's not trying to be super cool, he's a really good director. But I think he just gets lost in his own pretension at times. Yeah, he does. And certainly, bit, bits in this, you know, um, are totally great. Um, but other bits are just too cool to the point that you can actually see the point that it disappears its, uh, up
2: its own bottom.
0: Yes. Have you seen Revolver? No. Oh, I'm yeah. Not? Is it, that is the most
2: Guy Ritchie
0: movie yeah, that's ever. The, that is everything you just said there, Rob. Is the like epitome of that, but without any good bits.
2: <laughs> really? I saw that in the cinema. He's the sort of director who really wants the audience to know that he directed the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. like, like you know, some directors are just like, we let the story, we let the characters move us forward. He's like, I, they all need to know, everyone needs to know that I directed this. It's like it says at the start, Guy, no, no, not enough. In
1: case you didn't know that it was him directing it, he put himself in it as well.
0: He did. He is in it, isn't he?
1: He's a little ragged, yeah, ragged bone yeah. man. <sighs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, no, I, I think like he's obviously extremely competent. He's... It, well, no, yeah, not he's just competition. Visually, sorry. he's very good. He's extremely good. he's very
0: good. Yeah, he is. It's
1: just, it's just got... He needs a strong hand, I think. You know, slap on the wrist. Get it. Stop. Stop it now, guys. Stop it.
2: Going too far. You
1: no, know, no. like when you're training a puppy and all they want to do is pull on, the, you know, your, your pants leg.
0: Yeah. Do you think, like, that's what Matthew Vaughn did when he was his producer on, like... Because he did his early... He produced his early films, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And I'm... I'm a huge fan of Matthew Vaughn, apart from the Kingsman movies, which I'm not too hot on. Everything he's done, I absolutely loved. Kick-Ass, Stardust, there's another one as well, I can't remember. X-Men First Class. X-Men First Class. And he, I don't know when he stopped being his producer, but it'd be interesting to see when that point was and whether that's when Guy Ritchie just started going up his own... Behind, that <laughs> way
2: was the last movie he produced for Guy Ritchie.
0: <laughs> Sorry, James, I, I thought that was you
1: describing what happened to Guy Ritchie in his own ego.
2: <laughs> no, no, that was the one he made with his then wife Madonna, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Which I haven't seen, so I, I can't seen, comment I on. Really, I, I don't really. Want it to wasn't it. very revered, from what <laughs> I remember.
1: <laughs> I mean, if it had Kevin James in it, I could doll it up as Paul Blart Eight, but there's no way that this is going to happen. <laughs>
0: raunchy Paul (laughs) Blart oh don't you
1: worry don't you no I don't know I've not seen it Um, yeah I I think um, because I've at confession time I've not seen Lockstock so um,
0: oh have you not
1: no no and I'm not sure I've seen Snatch either so
2: um, I watched
0: Snatch recently. They're good. They're really good. They're both good. good. How they're... does Snatch hold up? I probably
2: haven't seen it since I was in my early 20s and I'm, it's one of those that I'm worried to go back to in case like what I used to think was really cool now I think is just a bit juvenile really, but
0: Yeah. I think think it does that. In terms of the stylistic approach of it, you'd probably be like, okay, you know, this has been done to death by now. Yeah, yeah. since that first came out. The script still zings, man. Yeah, has Got yeah. some cracking, like when he goes like, uh, um, so when he needs to get another fighter, and Bricktop's like, I don't care who you get, I don't care if it's Muhammad, Ayman, Bruce Lee. <laughs> 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 Obviously, didn't deliver it as good as Bricktop does, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's got some, it's got some amazing lines in that film. It's still it's still good. Oh good. It's still good. Lockstock's brilliant. I love Lockstock. I absolutely love
2: it. Yeah, I it's prefer amazing. Snatch out of the two though, if I because he had a bit more money on that one and yeah, you can does. tell, yeah, and a better, better cast. like Benicio del Toro's in Snatch, which everyone seems to always forget. Jeez. And uh yeah. Dennis Farina's yeah. in it as well.
1: I, I don't I think I've seen with... either of these then, in which case because Frank remember.
0: Butcher's in it as
1: well. <laughs> 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 Chris no, I've definitely not seen these movies at all. So what, what Guy Ritchie movies have I seen then in which case?
2: You've seen Sherlock Holmes?
1: Oh yeah, I saw
0: that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, I really yeah. like the first one. The first one's really good. Yes,
0: I agree with you. Second one, not so much. I haven't seen Aladdin. I do want to see Aladdin. Well, hang on. Are we talking about the same Aladdin movie? The the Aladdin
2: with Will Smith, yeah, he directed that. No
1: way, no way. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You see the most surprising thing is I didn't see it written over all the the marketing stuff. A Guy Ritchie film. Well, that's because Guy oh, Di- Di- that's Ritchie that's Because film. Disney
0: are in charge. Have have you seen the post now you've mentioned that, Rob? Have you seen the poster for his new film? No, I don't think so. Just google the poster for the the gentleman.
1: Um Sorry, the
0: gentleman, the gentleman. The gentleman. All
1: right, there's a poster of a um what is it? It's like a whiskey glass with a gun in yes, it. Yes,
0: that's the one. So open that and then you will see it says, a film by Guy Ritchie, story by Guy Ritchie, screenplay by Guy Ritchie, directed by Guy Ritchie. <laughs> His name is on it. Just in case Four you times. wondered. Yeah.
1: Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Matthew McConaughey? Um, yeah. Oh, Charlie Hummus, uh, as we know uh, from this movie. Hummus. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I have a real struggle with that surname. Um, here we go. Henry Golding, Michelle Dockery, Jeremy so Eddie Marsad, Colin Farrell and Hugh Grant.
2: <laughs> it's I'm a not cast.
1: Sure. Yeah, that is a cast. <laughs> um, I last saw Hugh Grant in that movie he did with, um, what's the name now? Uh, Drew Barrymore. You know, the one where he's an ageing pop star? That
0: was about 10 years ago. Oh, Songs of Lyrics. <laughs> aging. Have you not seen Paddington 2? No,
1: no. Oh no,
0: my no, God. He's Phenomenal Finding in that. It is absolutely brilliant. No, I, I really Watch want to, it. but
1: my kids said that With the, the bear was too realistic.
0: So. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's a little delight. It's he so is. I did try I to
2: point he's out brilliant. he's in a
1: coat, so it can't be that realistic. But
2: no. He loves marmalade sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> who, who jolly doesn't?
0: <laughs> I think the theories of Guy Ritchie being very much into his own hype is quite well-founded yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going, <off that, laughs> yeah. going off that poster.
1: Agreed. Um, well, no, I mean,
0: again, speaking of casts, I mean, this movie has an unbelievable cast. Cast one of the best things about it, I think. I, yeah. I think, you know, the, there's one obvious uh, like standout performance which doesn't quite get there. Unfortunately, it's the lead role.
1: Oh Yeah, that's
0: a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk
2: Charlie Hunnam and the accent in this, right? Now, I really like uh, Charlie Hunnam because I'm a huge fan of the series uh, Sons of Anarchy, which he was the lead in, and he was absolutely phenomenal. Really, really good.
0: He was, yeah. but he's
2: developed one of these accents that he's been living in America for so long that he doesn't have a British accent anymore. Yeah. He's sort of halfway between the two. And if anyone's seen Green Street, uh, the hooligan film he made... (sighs) The warning signs were here when I found out that this was going to be a geezer version of <laughs> King Arthur. Because I've, if anyone's got the time, go on YouTube and just can uh, just put in Charlie Hunnam accent Green Street, and you'll see exactly what's happening. There. Oh no, no! But do you want to hear about how uh, Charlie Hunnam got the part? Please, because yeah. I'm thinking of doing this next time I go for any sort of job opportunity. <laughs> so uh, Charlie, Charlie Hunnam had lost 20 pounds for the last season of Sons of Anarchy. Uh, during auditions, director Guy Ritchie was very bothered by his look, though he liked his performance and asked him four times during the process about his poor physique. Hunnam said that when Ritchie brought it uh, brought up the uh, brought it up for the fourth time, he told Ritchie, "Look, dude, you keep bringing this up." The physicality. It's obviously your primary concern. So if you want, do away with all this auditioning bollocks. I'll fucking fight those two dudes. I know who they are. You can bring them both in here. I'll fight them both. The one who walks out the door gets the job. Hunnam won the role.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so did he beat up two other actors? <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't even know what to make of that.
2: <laughs> I don't know where to go with it. It just reminds me of... um. Do you remember that episode of The Office where uh, Finchie and David Brent lose the quiz, yeah. and uh, Finchie still has to prove that he's a man so he says he's going to throw a shoe over the pub? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's basically that, like, right, we're not going to do any more of this acting, let's just have a fucking scrap. <laughs> 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 so anyway, it worked. Do you want to know who the other two guys were? Who?
0: Oh, yeah, who? Who Who could it have been? Who do you think was up for it, potentially? <laughs> It, it needs to be, it should have been someone really charismatic and with a good Cockney accent. Was it Henry Cavill um, and Taron Edgerton? You're half right. Henry Cavill was up, and the other one was
2: Joy Courtney, who was up for everything. <laughs> oh, no. but, uh, you know,
1: yeah, I have no, to I be honest, just, I don't yeah, know whether I fancy both of them over, <laughs> over Charlie Thomas. No, stop, Rob. I can't. I, now it's in my head, I can't stop doing it. Um,
2: yeah, I, that, I don't. You better be careful because he will he he will resort to violence. Yeah, that's what he
1: will find. I think. Well, no. <laughs> Considering we just we just said that he was one of the things that lets this movie down, I don't think we're going to be that. Any of us are that popular <laughs> in his
0: film. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're, pa- we're we're past that, are not we? He's, he's probably on his well, way I think, now. I think between the three of us, you fucking sorry. I'm doing a better Cockney accent
2: than he was. You fucking sl- slags. That's, that- <laughs> That's the
1: whole point here, though, is that I feel like so much of his performance was trying to keep his own accent on track. And, like, yeah, Mm. and it obviously kept wobbling and waving. I mean, at one point, he sounded Danish. And I'm like, what? Well, how's this going? And, and like with his look as well, you know, because he looks quite striking, but the, the blonde hair, blue eyes with a Danish accent, I thought he was a lost Schmeichel brother. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think there's, there's like, I don't think there's any question that he looks the part. Yeah, Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Let's make no bounds about it. He is a gorgeous man. Mm-hmm. Like he really is. And he is a good
2: actor. He just can't hack this yeah. accent. Yeah, and he's proper ripped in it as well. It's oh, probably. yeah, he's in incredible shape, yeah. He's committed, without <clears throat> a doubt.
0: It's, dare I say, he like lacks the charisma this leading man should have to lead a merry band of men against, you know, on this big battle and this big yeah. journey together. He needs to yeah. be a bit charismatic. And, and all those lines, what clearly are written, like Cockney Cheeky Chappy. Yeah just—they just never land because his accent is either Scouse or Welsh yeah. or Australian. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's—he's he's from
2: the northeast, isn't he? I think yeah, originally, he is, yeah, he is, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, cut his teeth on Biker Grove.
2: Yeah, and he was in Queer as Folk as well. So he's like—he can he do was, a Manchester yeah.
0: accent. Uh, (laughs) Reunited with Aidan Gillen, who is also terrible at accents. He doesn't even bother anymore. (laughs) He just doesn't bother anymore. I think throughout the whole series of Game of Thrones, it was like, all right, he's got this accent, and then he just turned into Aidan Gillen at the end of it. He just (laughs) discerned the accent he was going for. We need to make the point that Aidan Gillen is in this film as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Reunited with. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, sorry, I missed that bit, mate. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and because he was in, uh, Aiden Gillen was in, um,
0: Queerest Folk, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Cause I, um, I mean, obviously, Aiden Gillen, you get that reliable sort of sneaky gravitas that he carries and that voice I mean it's yeah. still just Littlefinger from Game of Thrones isn't it <laughs> constantly it um, is yeah but um, yeah I mean the cast as well you've got Eric Banner is unbelievable as in everything he's brilliant in everything
2: I didn't know he but- was in this movie so that was a real yeah, nice surprise yeah, yeah. at the start I was like oh Eric yeah. yeah, Banner's in this <laughs> oh, not for long he's in the pre-credits <laughs> Um, Spoilers.
1: If we can, t- we've talked about who's not great in this. I think Jude Law is great in it.
2: Jude Law is really great in it. Jude yeah. Law's ace, though.
1: But I think Jude, Jude is. I mean, like his character goes through a number of arcs, and I think he's he's tragically as a character underwritten in the second half of the film. Jude. Yeah. But he is so so good. The torment that he brings to this character is just brilliant. Um, so I I think he's amazing in this. I really do.
0: Yeah. He is, yeah. I, I think he's. I think he's really great, and he's. But all his crew are great as well. all All um, Arthur's crew are really good as well. Oh, yeah, Neil Maskell,
2: um, and uh, who was that other guy who was in it? Who I've not. I'm, sorry, I've not made a note of his name. Uh, yeah, the guy who's in Peaky Blinders. He's uh, he out... in
0: Peaky Blinders, isn't he? Ah. Uh, Kingsley Kingsley Benadire. That's um, the guy, he yeah. He's good as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's great in it. Like, I, and I, I just, I think you know, going back to Guy Ritchie, he's at his best when he's sort of directing like a small crew of blokes in yeah, close yeah. quarters being like cheeky chaps yeah and and that's where, getting a bit wary having a few yeah, jars that, for me that's where this film is like well at its best when it's just all those little like conversations they have yeah right? and like just all these actors playing off each other i think that is is really really good uh, on the whole yeah i do like charlie Hunnam in sons of anarchy j james he's so good in that yeah and he's, he's great in the yeah. uh, lost city of zed as well he's Superb in that, yeah. yeah. It, I I just wish it would have been someone with a bit more charisma who could pull off that bit of a dickhead, but you love him. Sort yeah, of lovable rogue. rogue type, yeah, lovable rogue. And I, I I do think that it really would have lifted the whole film. Yeah, as a whole.
1: Do, do you see some boys? Do you see some similarities here between this film and um, John Carter?
2: In which sense? Yeah, I do actually. I think with a more uh, charismatic. You can't... This is the problem. I mean, this, this. if this had gone to plan, Charlie Hunnam would have been starring in six King Arthur movies as King Arthur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's the thing. And I just don't... And they s- went off
1: with a bang s- with $170 million on the first one. You know, they would have... <laughs> they'd have spent a billion
2: quid on these six. And we should say as well, there's no Lancelot or Guinevere or Merlin no, in this. No. Merlin's reference, but is he ever actually seen on no, screen? No, 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 no. Never. So... What it feels like to me, and this is what annoys me a lot of the time with with franchise filmmaking, is like oh, that's for the sequel. That's for the mm. sequel. I mentioned uh, Alita yeah. Battle Angel earlier. There's quite a bit of that in that. It's like no, just make a make the best one that you can make to start with, and then we'll decide if we need a sequel. Yeah, that's why so does true. everything have to have so eight, six films about King Arthur. Who's who's going to those? I don't know. And you, uh, you have to smash it.
1: Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, totally. Like straight for out of the gates, you have to smash it. This had to, this had to, smash it and be one of the. You know, this had to break a billion dollars for all that mm. to come across, for all yeah. that to come into fruition.
0: Like what? What's the history of King Arthur films though? Because I, I like the folklore of it all, but in terms of it on TV or film, there's nothing really what I can, like I can remember no, or, no. as being like. Good. Well,
2: John Borman's the Excalibur movie is is seen as the sort of gold standard, isn't it? And that that's a good movie. And his first night around King Garth, the one with Richard Gere and Sean Connery from back in the oh 90s. yeah
1: yeah yeah that's that's about that
2: era of. Um, of isn't it legends? about Lancelot getting yeah. off with Guinevere and and an aging yeah, King Garth yeah, Garth yeah, and not is, knowing yeah, about is. it? Yeah.
1: And then, of course, you've got the King Arthur movie of 2004 with Clive
0: Allen. Clive, 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 Clive Allen. Allen. Clive He's a funny Clive Allen. Allen. <laughs> Imagine. He would likely appear in this film, to be honest. He probably would. I'm so
1: sorry. I'm sorry.
0: Kieran Outley was in that as well, wasn't she? she was, yeah. I've not seen she that. Was. I've not seen that. I haven't it. seen but that one. See, I
1: think... But of all those things that you mentioned, the thing, and James, this this absolutely, um, and Sam, this this exemplifies, not exemplifies, this bolsters both your points, in that there's not much real pop culture impact of the King Arthur legend, apart from maybe uh, Sword in the Stone, the Disney film. Yeah, but yes. the other one that I can really think of is the um, now defunct theme park
0: in um, Lancashire. Camelot.
1: Camelot,
0: yeah. uh, Excalibur the Ride with the big sword. Excalibur the Ride, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's now, like, for our, um, well, for any listeners who don't live in this neck of the woods, you might not have heard of this, but it's like, it's now just a wasteland, and you've got drones flying over it all the time. You can go on YouTube and look at videos of what it was like in its heyday and what it's like now, but this place had like live jousting every day. Yeah, oh, I loved um, it. It was amazing, yeah, and it was really near Martin mere so if you were that way inclined, you could have one hell of a double header one day
2: <laughs> of uh,
1: Bird Reserve and, <laughs> and
0: jousting-themed park. It was ace. Oh, Camelot was brilliant. Because it was always like Camelot or Alton Towers when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Camelot was a bit closer. Yeah. So we used to go yeah. quite a lot. And it was just like, oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah. It was amazing. Camelot was like
2: a yeah. starter version of Alton Towers because the rides were a bit smaller. It was a bit more accessible for younger kids and stuff like yeah, that. And yeah. they had the jousting as well. So it was like, yeah, you go to, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you get on all right with Camelot, then we'll take you to Alton Towers next time. And, and like after that, you don't want to go back to Camelot anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Shove your jousting. That's true. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> I, I remember um, when uh, I've got uh, American family members and they came over and we took them to Camelot and you know they're from obviously a land of plenty when it comes to theme parks. Yeah. So I asked you know what they thought about it. They said the the, the jousting was cool, but the overall experience was crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, zing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Deep tissue burn for us all there in oh, here in the northwest. Hurts. 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 <laughs> Should we talk about the movie? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ja- James, plot, James, so. James, you volunteered yourself. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of what goes on in
2: this uh, this fiasco? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, so Arthur's dad is King Arthur. It's not King Arthur. What I'm talking about He's Eric Banner. Um, and there's a big battle at the, <laughs> at the start where there's like giant elephants with pyramids on their back and, it's like, brrr, and all this and then he gets killed and what <laughs> have you but Arthur is smuggled out as a baby and he's raised in a in a brothel in London town and he grows up to look like London Charlie Hunnam anyway so he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a geezer he's always up to no good you know lovable rogue which he doesn't quite pull off and then at some point he has to go and pull a sword out of the stone as is the legend everybody who uh Basically, Jude Law is like a usurper, isn't he? He's, he's done his dad in, he's taken the crown, but he wants to make sure that he can execute whoever can pull the sword out of the stone. So everyone who is of Arthur's age in London has to go and have a go, basically. And it's being overseen by a character called Trigger, who's uh, played by a uh, English national treasure, which is...
0: <laughs> <laughs> One Do of we- the worst
2: cameos uh, <laughs>
0: I've ever seen In my life. Jesus.
2: And even as a Manchester City fan, I have a certain amount of uh, affection for for Sir Bex. And once he went to Real Madrid, I was glad I could stop pretending to hate him. We all loved that free kick against Greece at Old Trafford that took us to the World Cup. That was brilliant. But (laughs) I I wouldn't rarely say this, but Bex, stay in your lane. Do not be going. (laughs) Don't be doing this. Don't be doing he, this.
1: Uh, I mean, it's at such a pivotal point in the film where we realise his lineage. And all, all the while it's happening, I've got Bex with a pr- prosthetic schnoz uh, sort of just warbling some lines that he doesn't really commit to. Still really handsome,
2: though. Oh, yeah. Chicago <laughs> town. If lineage. anything, the, sca- the fake scar and the dodgy teeth make him look fitter. He could still pig the football in top bins whatever he felt. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well,
1: what you know, why <laughs> I'm surprised the phrase top bins didn't make it into this script, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like those those um what wet wet spit, what was his name? Wet spit, backlack and
2: um, top bins. That was one of his, uh, <laughs> top bins. His, his mates, weren't they? That's a very Guy <laughs> Ritchie esque sort of nickname for a fella, in it? Who's in the crew? Like,
0: like, yeah, yeah. Me and Top Bins were
2: down a fucking market.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a good like uh, it's a segue to it. There was a good review from Ryan Gilby from the New Statesman about the David Beckham thing. It's like. It, <laughs> In a poor film, the use of David Beckham in a minor but significant role stands out as an own goal. Football point. Oh, right. oh, oh. It's a towering misjudgment and a good example of the way filmmaking is for Ritchie, as it's just an extension of him socialising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. That sounds good. David <laughs> right.
2: Beckham's only in this film because he's mates with Guy Ritchie. That's it. That's the only reason he's in
0: there. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, so true. depressing. Anyway, uh, try, uh, 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 this is my fault. I'm not defending it at all. I'm kind of jo- jolly, <laughs> joining in the, the kicking. No, no, no. Uh, like, I, like, I'm let's... not
1: giving this a kicking. No, no, that's... no.
0: I think it, it's yeah, all yeah. fair. It's all fair. I reckon. Let's <laughs> let's um, let's is there a... let's talk about some good let's stuff. Talk, in, in there. Good What stuff. did we enjoy? What did we like? Yeah, yeah. I think those. I think those opening two. The opening two scenes are fucking ace. I think like, they they're... are. The, the elephant pyramid thing. Yeah, that, yeah. Was a bit, that was like mad. And you're like, holy shit, this is a big scale fantasy <laughs> yeah. land King Arthur story Arthur. rather than the like battleground, you know, medieval time, true tale of Arthur. This is like mental. Yeah. Um, Like when it then goes to the montage of the kid after he gets picked up in the brothel and he grows up into Charlie Hunnam and it's like proper typical... Guy Ritchie style editing's dead quick and snappy. You got some really yeah. good songs, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, going yeah. on, and I you're think like, it's "Brilliant!" And I'm like, it, the, I, "I'm really on board." I'm like, "I love this bit. This is great. It's so good." Yeah, yeah.
2: I think the first act is actually really good, to be honest. I like. like
0: I'm with this film
1: for the first hour. Totally mm. with it for the first yeah. hour. And I'm yeah. really, really I'm not quite it. up to
2: the hour mark. I'd say the first half an hour I'm in, <laughs> basically.
1: <laughs> like, no, I'm still there. I'm still there.
2: The thing I like most, and we'll probably come on to this when we do best bits, but you know the bit where um, the king's guards are sort of going around and so there's been some mischief with some Vikings. And that whole sequence where it's cross-cutting between Charlie Hunnam, King Arthur, telling the Kings guard, the head guard about what's happened with the Vikings. It's very snatch and it's very sort of quick cut and it's really well put together. And I really, really enjoyed that sequence. The problem is, is that then Guy Ritchie does that four more times through yes, that same sort of technique yeah, yeah. where it's like you can just tell something in a linear fashion. We all know you're a good director. You don't have to keep showing off. Yeah. Basically, yeah. and he sort of starts putting his own stylistic leanings over the story for me then as we get into the second act and then into the third act of the film. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I loved all those bits. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, but they're extremely well done bits, but in
1: the context of a whole two hour film, it's a bit too much, I feel. Yeah, yeah. But like the editing, you can't knock the editing in this film whatsoever. You just can't. It's so good. good. It is so good. It's slick as anything. But I also I love Richie's super stylized take on medieval imagery. I, I like all that. I've got, I've got no problem with any of this at all. And mm. um, my main beefs come later on with story, and um, that's about it, really. Yeah. I, I, like I am in with everything. Um, I love all this massive elephant rock wielding stuff that's going on. Um, I love the you know banners diving in and, and like the. Troy levels of hero mode, sacrificing a horse as he dives into the belly of this thing. I'm loving yeah. all of this stuff. It's absolutely ace. And Jude Law is great. Um, yeah, he's good. Yeah, everything is great. And I am not. I don't even have a thing. Um, can I just, uh, at this point in time, it came apparent to me in this first part of the film that production designer Gemma Jackson has done one hell of a job on this.
0: Oh, yeah. I yes. think that that is something... Not to be sniffed at the, the uh, the the look and feel of this medieval England and the tone is it, uh, it's not it is quite original to be fair to it yeah of yeah how it looks because yeah, yeah. they they have give it this sort of modern look and the way the the dialogue is is all modern and specific to the East End of London <laughs> um, it's like. I think the there's it the poster where he's got this coat on what just it just looks like an advert for like um, Burton or something. It just H yeah, and <laughs> H-M, yeah. You know, like yeah, this really. Oh, sorry, I, I chose Burton like it's a fashion like a really fashionable place. It's really not. Shows how old it, it. used to be. Um, it's got to be t
2: shirt on your shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm dr- dragging you down with me, James. Uh, but when, when yeah, <laughs> the poster and he's got that coat on and he's got this like a modern haircut. Yeah, yeah. I like all that. I'm like, yeah, do something I'm different. Cool with, yeah, I, I'm cool Seriously, I'm with you here, sir. I'm thinking
1: the only reasons this film fails are from storytelling mm. and not much else. And, and, and you know, a weak lead. That and because Charlie
2: Hunnam can't do the tax.
1: <laughs> well, you no, know, Schmeichel Hummus might have, you know, might not have been the greatest choice to get through this one. But mm. that's about it. Uh, aside from that, I'm loving everything. Uh, certainly in this first hour.
0: Yeah. Really yeah. enjoying
1: it. Really enjoying it.
0: You know... The narrative and the story of everything, it does hit a lot of familiar beats and you are treading a lot of, a lot of water like we've already been on, especially this is 2017, big franchise movie making, you know, this just falls into that trap of doing the same sort of things and, you know, it's not a story we're familiar with on the Arthur thing, they're doing something new. Yeah. And... They're throwing all these stylish, stylistic things at you to sort of distract you really from what is a really average story, isn't it? I think.
2: Yeah. So basically, it's just like after he pulls the sword out, we then have an hour or so of him decide, deciding whether he wants to be this great leader. Or not, and lead his people in rebellion against the man who murdered his father, and that, and then there's like he has an alliance with the mage, doesn't he? Who can like talk to the animals and like whatever in and witchcraft and all that, all that business. But like you say, not a lot actually happens, like mm, in terms yeah. of story That's at all. That's the problem. That's the problem. Before we get to like the third act, like SmackDown,
1: yeah, which which comes out of nowhere as well. But um, does. Forgive me, this might be pedantic, but does anyone actually kill Eric Banner, as in Arthur's dad, other than himself? Because doesn't he, he chucks a sword in the air and it goes through his own spine, doesn't it?
2: Yes. so what happens is he's about to be killed, but Jude Law, because he's sort of sold his soul, hasn't he, to these weird octopus women who live in the bottom of his tower. Oh,
1: yes, yes. Great effects on them, by the way.
2: Basically, he takes this form of like this phantom sort of warrior, doesn't he? And he's like, he's kicking Eric Banner's ass at that stage. And what he does is, at the same time, Arthur's mother has been killed in the opening exchanges. Eric Banner pushes Arthur as a baby off in this boat for it to sail down. And as a result, I think he feels like he's going to get killed. I might be giving this too much credit. Uh, So he sacrifices himself. And then Jude Law's like, "Oh, that's all right, because the baby will probably die as he goes down the river." Yeah, but, like... I mean,
1: I think isn't it? What well, this is, um, and we have to. I'd rather we were honest about it because, yeah, yeah. I, I I have questions about it, but because I really wanted, you know, and I there is so much of this I enjoy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying, I of course, like I always do, I'm gonna say, of course, you should reconsider this film and check it out. It's absolutely beautiful, and there's loads of loads of fun going on, but I didn't, I not like. When Jude Law's, like, it, 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 it's like a Mortal Kombat character he became. And he threw a a big CG spear that went way too fast and flew into uh, his mum. And because it was so, like, who's that? I didn't know it was Jude Law at that point. Like, who's that guy? They've got, oh, they're cheating. They're cheating. They've got someone from hell here. (laughs) You know, uh, I, I didn't understand. And, um... And then I thought it was like, because it was a bit outlandish, the threat level reduced for me. So the the next part of the film was just me. Like I was just really enjoying the jauntiness of it all and the beautiful visuals and I was totally on board. But it was a thing that I, I felt like, as we went through, kept cropping up, actually, that because you've gone very video gamey very early on, yeah. um, I find the stakes kind of hard to get totally invested in. Mm.
2: The rules aren't especially clear, I don't think. I don't think it sets up the rules of the what the magic can do and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: like, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was what they were going to do in films two and three and four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Put don't it know. in the first
2: one, lads. Put it in the yeah. first one.
1: Why's it in there? <laughs> 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 But that said, I'm just still loving everything, and and I love the giant bats, the giant rats, the giant snakes, the giant wolves. Yeah. The visuals are unbelievable, like the vistas. Um, mm, yeah, I, yeah. You, I,
2: I, just think it's beautiful, beautiful filmmaking. I really, really do. Yeah, and it's similar to what we talked about in Waterworld last. Uh, yeah. Last week. When you're spending this amount of money on, uh, on the on a picture. You know, things are going to be executed well because you're hiring the best people to do it. So. The cinematographer is a guy called John Matheson, who's been nominated twice for an Oscar and won a Bafta for his work on Gladiator. He's shot movies for Ridley Scott, wow, uh, including Hannibal, Robin Hood, and Kingdom of Heaven. And he's previously worked with Richie on The Man from Uncle, which is actually quite good. Oh,
0: she's um, done that. That's a great film. Yeah, that is an amazing. Yeah, film. yeah. Oh, The Man from Uncle, the one with uh, Cavill. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Which surprises is you?
2: That why Cavill? Why didn't? Yeah, yeah. It's why very, he didn't cast good. Cavill cool, in yeah. this? Having cool. worked with him previously, so. So yeah, obviously, when you're working at this sort of budget level, all this other, you know, all this production design, the cinematography, everything is going to be bang on point because you're hiring the best people to do it. Yeah. And it really shows up on the screen. It's when you're not, the focus isn't on the story, or if you're just trying to set things up for sequels, that's when it becomes unsatisfactory because, from a visual standpoint, you can't. and in terms of how well put together sequences are you can't fault the film it's no, like not at all it's just you can't get that emotional connection because they've just gone right well he pulls the sword out the stone and then he decides for an hour whether he's going to go and be king arthur and then he decides he is and then they're going to have a big fight and yeah. it's like i could have written that down like before i'd even watched the film yeah so there's there's no surprises in the movie
1: for me, no, I think um, there, I I did find a few surprises in there which were really welcome. Like I really liked that scene with was it Backlack? Because I thought Backlack Neil Gaskell is it Neil
2: Maskell Neil Maskell Neil yeah, Maskell, says, I'm yeah, so yeah.
1: sorry. Um, yeah, it's me. It's always me getting the trivia wrong. <laughs> so,
2: hmm. I thought he was
1: brilliant all the way through, and I really he loved, always is. Yeah, yeah, I so loved good. his relationship with his lad as well. Yeah, who's um called Blue, and the actor's name is also Blue. Lovely. So, yeah, lovely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neo Maskell's great. He just, sorry to go on a Segway Robert interrupt Go, he, mate, he go. was um Do you guys watch Peaky Blinders? No, I really want to. I've seen the first he's, series. Oh, I don't want to. Well, he he, he in, in it's I don't think it's a spoiler, but in the re, most recent series he plays Winston Churchill and it's oh, <laughs> it's excellent. Oh, but that is cool. It just him just covered in prosthetics with <laughs> ears, He's very good. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. safe. I'm a huge fan of Neil Maskell. Well,
1: that that scene, you know, in this in this film where he's he's mortally wounded and uh, his lad doesn't want to leave him, but Jude Law appears in that, you know, in their hideout. I think that's a great scene. Really like that scene, um, and the uh, you know when he his lad's trying to pretend he doesn't know him and all that, and then he cuts off mm-hmm. his ear and stuff. I've got you know there's threat there, and this is, again relates back to how good Jude Law is in this because yeah. I think. Like Jude Law's going for swinging for the fences here. He's not thinking about a franchise. He's just thinking about because he's only going to, he knows the script. He knows he's going to yeah, he bowing out at the end of this one. <laughs> so he is yeah. going out with a massive bang here. And I think he's absolutely ace and he carries real, genuine, um, disturbing threat. Yeah. So, and yeah, this scene with him and Gaskell is really good. I, I, if, Maskell, Maskell, Maskell. Maskell yeah. If yeah. anything, I wish it had gone on just a little bit longer, that scene. You know, them yeah. two bantering with each other. But no, it really, really good. Really good.
0: Yeah, I think I think there are there are moments in it where like I said before, the when it's got close quarters conversation between blokes, that's yeah. where it's at its best. And that's where Richie's guy Richie's script is at its best because that's what he's good at doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can I can I ask um because I've not seen many Guy Ritchie films apart from, as we've now learned, Sherlock Holmes. Um, there, there aren't a lot of women in this at all. Um, no, and only w- where they are there, and mages
0: yeah. and wives, and daughters. <laughs> That's the, yeah. Yeah, the four types I... of woman. <laughs> Can't be <for> Guy <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> This
1: is this is a bit of a problem. Uh, that, you know, I. I... Like, you don't really have, like, every single female role is is very, very underwritten. There's not much to do here for anyone. I mean, the the big role was Maggie, wasn't it, who's played by the brilliant, always brilliant Annabelle Wallace. Yeah. And she doesn't get a lot to do. In fact, she arguably does one of the worst things that happens to Jude Law and she totally betrays him. And he doesn't really do anything. You just wonder where she is. And then suddenly she's later on cooped up with a load of people. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> it, it's kind of like, but they could have done a lot more with that. Do you think there's like an un, uh a uh, 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 Richie edit somewhere of this film?
0: Well, apparently, his first cut was three hours forty minutes or something. God yeah, Christ! I read that.
2: Do you think that's not just the assembly cut? Though? Well, yeah, first like, cut, first cuts, is, first cuts yeah. are always like, that, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah, they're always super, super long. Those first cuts. Um, <laughs> whether there's an extended version, I mean, I don't know if it's there'll be one on a Blu-ray or something yeah. like that. But
2: having said that, he'd have loved to have put a three-hour version of this movie
0: out.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> imagine how <laughs> yeah. many more montages oh, would have man. been in.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine how many more scenes he'd have been in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's a whole side story of David Beckham's trigger and how he got to his uh, his role oh. of the- <laughs>
1: with his character as well. They were good mates down the pub. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, he but, probably oh, invents football like. Isn't... Oh
1: no don't. don't I'm surprised that didn't happen You know like say Beckham curled a severed head Into a basket from 40 yards <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was expecting
0: oh, why, uh, did why did he not do that?
1: Why did do that? You know how painful to kick a severed head I think weighs about 10 pounds um, so, like,
0: He'll have his predators I understand <laughs>
1: He's got his predators on. He's got his <laughs> medieval predators edition. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think um, as we look through the movie, all you know the things that I remember most fondly are the Richie takes on imagery that is so synonymous with the King Arthur legend. Um, you know, like the I really like the stuff with the underwater sirens. Um, yeah. You know, you know when he throws the sword off the cliff because he doesn't want it, and then it emerges in a puddle. That connection with water stuff—I really like that sequence. Um, yeah, it's it a, a very bit. dark movie for a twelve, isn't it? I mean, you have all sorts going on in this. You've got like there's a dead baby at one point. This is dark for a twelve.
0: It's it's quite violent. There's a lot of uh, people getting sliced and diced with Excalibur. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, can we can we right? When's a good time? to talk about the Excalibur thing in this film.
2: Excalibur time, as I'm calling it. I love it. It's honestly like someone pressed the two analogue sticks on the PS4 and then he just goes into a cutscene and starts carving fools up. (laughs) (laughs) It's well realised, but it's sort of reminded me of kind of like Matrix Reloaded, you know, when he's fighting all those Agent Smiths. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think like what, what it felt like was um, early on Jude Law had a uh, sorry, Jude, yeah, Jude Law had a cheat mode and he could go into a rockard, you know, demon thing that, that's absolutely hench with a spear yeah. he could chuck at speed of light and then um, by we get to this point um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Arthur's managed to unlock a similar kind of cheat code now, that would be absolutely fine, but When later on at the end, you know, when he's fighting loads of people in this super sped up mode that he is, they're all moving at the same time he is. So they must also have the same cheat code. So, you know, like he's still pulling off amazing moves. Now, if he was going really quick. And dancing between people and chipping them all left, right, and centre. Chib- they'd, like, <laughs> they'd be all like, "They'd be all like going really slowly, yeah. but they're not. They're all like, and he still has to pull out his best moves to do them in. And it's an inconsistency of thinking this, the myth of this sequence through. through yeah. yeah, it is. It is because again, that I'm, is a very good point. Actually. I'm desperate for it to work, but I can't buy it because of that. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
0: I agree with both those bits because both both your points there, dudes. Because it is it does feel too computer game like. Yeah. Um, And I think this happening once would have been enough for me because this does. There's like two scenes, isn't there? Where there's the time where he realizes in the dojo. Yeah, yeah. What the sword can do, and then a bit at the end as well. For the most part, I think the CGI is really, really solid. This it's amazing. yeah, Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, it looks so good. Most of the reviews I read really picked holes at the CGI, saying it was rubbish and, you know, obvious and blah, blah. I think aside from those two swordplay scenes when it's really like a video, yeah, game, yeah, the CGI is really ace. Like, I thought awesome. it was good, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. how you
1: could complain about it. I think the only reason you could complain about it is because you know that it can't physically be done. Therefore, yeah, I, oh, it must be CGI.
0: Yeah, I think that Matrix, the Matrix comparison is really spot on because all the humans look like it humans look rubbery don't they and you just get yeah 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 and that and just completely take it out and and because the way computer games are nowadays where they're so realistic you're like it just looks like a computer game yeah so yeah that is a bit of a like should be amazing if there was something that adventurous like 10 years ago probably would go down as being absolutely brilliant yeah but it's just a bit like, meh. Nah, we've, we've probably seen this before, probably seen yeah. it done better. Um, So it's not a, as big a sort of USP as Richie was probably hoping it to be, maybe. I yeah.
1: Know. I think um that's really good because uh, these, these bits that we're talking about, you know, this bit, especially the end, comes out of kind of nowhere, doesn't it, really? I mean, like, the first half, you know you're building and then the second half, I can only really remember two plot points that happen, there's an assassination attempt, it doesn't go well so they get yeah. the revenge and this is, you know, it's Charlie Hunnam goes and takes out and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And, and like, But it's, there's no story development here.
2: After Neil Maskell dies, he has a dark night of the soul and then the sword comes back and then he decides the next morning, yeah, yeah, we'll go and take him Yeah, off, basically. But it just it, feels like it, a whole chunk's been cut out of yeah, the film. Yeah, but, but <laughs> like... I want
1: to see that chunk. I want to know where this chunk yeah. is. I could do with other bits trimming because I actually think there is a really good film in here.
0: Yeah. But it's just,
1: mm. it's lost somewhere. You know what I mean? I think so. Like we say, there's there's no there's no quibble with the look of this movie. I think it's gorgeous. Yeah, it looks, no, it looks great. Yeah.
0: The, the end. The ending's really satisfying, though. Like it, it's a bit, you know, where the, the all the recognisable things we know from this Camelot, King Arthur folklore comes in. That you know, you see the round table. Yeah, yeah. yeah the oh, they play that really well. Yeah. And they sort of like set their stall out in Camelot, and you're like, right now he's King Arthur, and he's going to do things differently in England. That's quite satisfying. You're like, oh, oh this yeah, payoff yeah. could have been so much better if the lead up to it was thought about. Yeah. Everything. Executing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and because
1: yeah. that was it. You're so right, Sy. Si, because that ending there, the payoff tees up next movie, a next trilogy, a next whatever, so well with the round table. What do you call there.
2: a six-movie series?
1: Sixology? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a sextet of movies. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a bit too R. Kelly, I think. Section. <laughs> but again um, I, you know at the end um, I'm still like I love the music um, I think the title sequences are some of the most big budget title sequences I've ever seen yeah um, and um, yeah I'm still no I, overall when it finishes I'm still like yeah that was really cool I don't know what happened for an hour of it but I'm really cool with it <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I don't know so um, what, what, what do you guys have like um, a best bit if you could pluck it out what do you think it is
2: yeah, so I, I sort of touched on earlier the sequence with the Vikings after one of the um, one of the prostitutes has been roughed up by the Vikings yeah. and um, Arthur and his crew go and sort him out and all that cross cutting. But I actually quite like the foot chase through London, yeah. through Landon ten yeah. after the failed assassination. Yeah, that's attempt. really good. yeah. That score that sounds like Jason Voorhees having a panic attack. It's like. Ha- yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then they put the body cams on them and stuff like that, yeah, and they're yeah, sprinting yeah, it's through good. the back alleys and what have you. I enjoyed those bits. So yeah, probably that, probably that foot chase, and that's when you actually get some practical stunt work in there. I know it's only yeah. people jumping over an alley and what have you, but I just enjoy that physicality. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right, mate.
1: Because you don't all the while earlier on. I mean, there's a lot of physicality in that first fight sequence with the big, massive elephants, but you know they're all CGI because they all they're not real. Yeah, get yeah, dropped yeah. off a massive cliff. So. They were
0: real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
1: if they're from the Swiss family Robinson School of Stuntwork. Yes, they were.
0: <laughs> That's my favorite bit as well, actually, because I love how one of the things to give Guy Ritchie credit for, and I mentioned it before, is him bringing in these like modern techniques and modern looks, yeah, and definitely, feels yeah, 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 into this world. And you know, you shouldn't have to be restrained on how you tell your story and, and what techniques yeah. you use just because you're set in a time like an old-timey medieval setting. That shape ch- when it goes to those body cams, it's fucking ace. And like yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. just on a on a whole, the way it's edited is brilliant. It's so good. It is, it is. Yeah. I
2: just wish the rest of the film looked like that and had that energy and propulsion, which I yes, don't think yeah. is really in the other sequences as much like it feels more lived in at that point and more yeah. gritty and yeah. uh, that's why I really enjoyed that I had to, I like I was like sort of like oh, I'm going alright okay get on with it and then then when they started running through the streets I was like oh right I'm, I'm back in this now yeah. it's really yeah. piqued my interest so yeah. like yeah but yeah. that's just my preference for more practical sort of
0: action sequences yeah. really I think so yeah shout out to James Herbert did the editing on this who uh, um, top man James yeah he I I just think it's absolutely faultless and some something which i would aspire to that sort of yeah i agree head. with you yeah agree. yeah you like
1: you... i think on a physical level sorry physical not physical on a technical level you cannot quibble with anything in this film
0: mm. no no i don't think so what was your favorite bit rob
1: um back like getting his neck parted i like that you know when uh jude law comes in and they yeah yeah uh, yeah uh, i really like that sequence um I really like the bit when uh, Charlie Human
2: uh Hunnam can't even say it uh, pulls We you've been di- we've been dissing his accent all the time you can't... Can't his bloody name I, <laughs> I know I really like It's hard. That. It's He's I'm, like listening to this like, got... I'm going it's hard, isn't
1: it? I, it... <laughs> <laughs> I really like the bit when um, Hunnam throws the uh, sword into the sea, where the lake, where wherever he chucks it into, and when he get when he pulls it out of a puddle and the mud all over him, I think it's a really good image. When he holds it aloft again, he's pulled it out of four inches of water. I just think that's really really cool. So yeah, that's my favourite bit. And I think that if the movie had that kind of intensity and right the way through, and you know it will all have that stylistic delivery. So that's not the issue. But if it had that intensity. And overall, because that had respect for the mass of the myth, not all the apples and pears, apples and pears. If it carried that on, then I'm looking at a mega, mega movie here. So, yeah, I I love that bit. That's my favourite bit. So, um, well, yeah, for your reconsideration, what are you thinking? Um, Say you go
2: last because that is the custom. James? Um, So as much as we've had a good time discussing it, I would say unless you're at thirty thousand feet uh, knocking back gin and tonics like Simon was when he first watched this movie. Fair. That is a I'm, fair go- call. <laughs> I'm going to say no, unfortunately. They are as we've discussed, there are some really good individual sequences, but it never really comes together as a whole for me. Uh I watched it yesterday and I'm struggling to recall a lot of it. So I'm glad you guys made copious notes as you were going through. <laughs> so outside of the bombast and the slickness of the filmmaking, there just isn't much going on. He pulls the sword out and then he, an hour goes by and he's like, I don't want this responsibility. Oh, I do now. And then I'll go and fight my uncle. And while Charlie Hunnam does look the part, and I do really like him as an actor, particularly in Sons of Anarchy. If you haven't seen that, check that out. Every time he opens his mouth, he lost me. And, he can't do the accent and i think that's a real problem for your central character in your big tentpole new would be franchise in short i wouldn't follow this arthur into the pub on a sunday afternoon if he was buying the drinks <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you got into a fight you're pretty safe off cuz <laughs> yeah yeah <pretty> <laughs> yeah yeah
2: oh yeah yeah he's rock like i say looks apart but yeah he's it's not even his fault. He just can't do it. Well, it, it, you know, he's, he, he's an actor. He's gone for the role. He can't do the accent. Yeah. So he just, as particularly, and even though those uh, the sequences where he's talking to his friends and stuff are the best moments, they're all natural in that accent, and you can tell they're natural. And he's trying so hard to work his way around this uh, the language with and uh, not being comfortable in the accent. Yeah, I think yeah. it really shows. Mm. And it undercuts I, 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 his performance, unfortunately.
1: Have you heard his normal accent?
2: Yeah, it's all over the as I say, he's lived yeah, out in right. America yeah. for a lot of years it, and his his accent's all, all over, over the place the shop, now. Isn't it?
1: But like yeah. so but he's not got the strongness of any kind of accent, has he though? He's not got like I no. couldn't hear his voice and say, well, he's from there. I was amazed
2: when I found out he was a Geordie. No, well he he hasn't got he certainly hasn't got a Geordie accent. No, no. <laughs> well,
0: it's like Christian Bale, isn't it? Like, Christian Bale's accent is just so odd as well. Yeah, it is, as it well. is. But it depends who's yeah. interview. I think he said that he puts on a different accent for whoever's interviewed. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and I love that as well yeah. because he's brilliant at every single one. He, he does. is, yeah. yeah so, so he's absolutely super. faultless.
2: Um, I actually heard Christian Bale on the radio this morning. He was promo- uh, promoting Le Mans uh, 66 and he was do- he was. He must have finished filming. I think it all- with him it all comes down to how long ago he's, f- he's finished filming something. Uh, because he was back in his sort of Welsh, sort of... Oh, was he? You know, mm. London town, kind of, you know, having a chat with Matt Damon, which was quite quite delicious, to be crisp, honest. Crisp, crisp. His Reign his of Fire voice. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the accent he was doing. Yeah, which is, I think, what yeah. he actually sounds like.
1: <laughs> well, you know, can we discuss that from the podcast?
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's on the list. <laughs> what, a, what a damn movie that is. Uh, now,
1: uh, uh, for myself, before we go to you, Ty... Um, yeah, this movie's a right mess by the end, but it's a beautiful mess. I love it. I love it. Um, I, as in, I'd rather watch someone again. We go back to that thing where Rob would like to see something stupid look great and do stuff. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I, I'd rather see something, try something new, and go there. But I think this thing, this film, is more is more hampered. I think by um, the director's ego as much as so much other things. They got so many things right. Story is not one that they did get right because in terms of a narrative structure, there just isn't one by the time you get to the second hour of the film. It's just... Steep, steep slide with no escalating stakes to what can only be a showdown, which isn't signposted at any point, And suddenly you're there, and Jude Law's in Mortal Combat mode. And actually, it looks like they're fighting in a level from Mortal Combat, which you didn't even know was going to happen. And then suddenly, you know, he's beaten by CGI Charlie honum And so what I take from it is there's no real stakes when you're in video game world because anything can happen, and that actually dents the emotional heft and, well, definitely the stakes of the film. Mm. That said, I can't fault any of the production design, any of the costume design, any of the uh, editing, the cinematography and the ambition at hand here. I wish this would have worked because I would actually quite like to have seen maybe not 6 we I'll go with three. <laughs> three, <laughs> three movies of this, I would so say. So optimistic. I oh, know six. six ridiculous. Movies, <laughs> You know, if they smashed it out of the park off three, then yeah, let's talk. But you oh, know, geez. even after Batman and Batman uh, and uh, Batman Returns, you know, it took a long time to get three off the ground. So let's not let's yeah. you know let's not run before we can walk, hey? <laughs>
2: What's he doing in the sixth one? Going into space? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, he's ah! already done that. He's already done. Yeah. that. <laughs> he's
1: got Merlin jetting him in. It's like Moonraker, but with cod pieces um, oh, in so. fact I think Moonraker was with cod pieces so I don't think
0: we can say that and nice little spacesuits with nice lemon piping oh
1: <laughs> sheesh fit um, uh, yeah no I, I'm definitely saying reconsider it um, again like I said with Waterworld last week there's a lot, you know. There's a lot not to enjoy, but there is a lot to enjoy. So yeah,
0: go and go and go and watch this and make your own mind up, please. Cool. Well, I agree with uh, both your sentiments. Really, I'm sure everyone knows by now. I am a simple man. <laughs> I've had enjoyment of most films as long as they do the fundamentals right. Yeah. For the types of movie that they are. I really do think this other makings to be something like really surprising, uh, to do something new with this Arthur story and be like really special as a franchise. And they do have loads of ingredients for that. But for me, the trouble is thats is that they've got half a mind on the future movies, mm. that they don't actually do anything amazing with the lore in the movie of the one they're actually making. Mm-hmm. So they. They're, they're, they're almost expecting this franchise rather than earning the right to make a franchise. Yeah, such a good point, man. Yeah. Or even a sequel. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just,
0: like, and yeah, I don't like Charlie Hunnam. you know. I'm sure he'll absolutely punch me in the face if he heard this. <laughs> I saw him <sighs> in the pub. Um, he went, all oh, Green Street, a hooligan on me. But, yeah, his just to echo what James said, he... His accent, you just can't do it. And, and that just pulls the whole film down for me. I think if if that lead role is someone who can pull that off and be charming um, and enough to lead the movie, I think you're adding two stars onto it. like easy. Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. I don't think it's a one-star film, as a lot no. of the reviews suggest. No, it's not. I, it's I, not. I, I did, you know, as I did at 40,000 feet with seven gin and tonics <laughs> down <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think it's really fun. It might be a bit style over substance, like a lot of Richie's movies are. Maybe it's you know, a, it go that middle hour is a bit bloated, but I don't think it's any worse than most other uh, franchise movies. To be honest, I think it's, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. You know, there are films what hit very similar story beats and do a, you know end up at a, the last act being a big CGI turd fest, <laughs> which, get, yeah. which get four star five star reviews. So. I don't think it's any worse yeah. than those. Agree with you. So if you, ha- if you haven't seen it and you're a fan of the modern day blockbuster and you just want a bit of fun and a good old laugh with the old classic English folklore, it's uh, something a bit different in terms of that the way to tell those stories, then it might it might be your cup of tea, I think. And if you like yeah. Charlie Hunneman leather pants, you've got that as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely. I
0: mean And uh,
2: yeah we should we should point out as well it's on Amazon Prime oh yes uh it's video it, this. It. So if you do have an Amazon Prime subscription, uh it's not gonna cost you anything extra. So if you fancy watching it then then by all means. Give it a click. Do you think that the film
1: is hampered, uh, well, I think we've agreed already that it is hampered by the quirks of its director, but surely its choice of accent for the lead, like you have to be a Cockney, is, is well, it's hampering the whole production, isn't it? It's just a bad it, 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 honestly, It's a bad choice. As, as
2: much as I like Charlie Hunnam, it's bad casting because surely when he'd screen tested, they went, that accent is just not reading but, but right. But
1: prior to that, why, why are you making Arthur a Cockney? Why has he got to be a Cockney?
2: Because he's grown up in London in a brothel. Right, so how else would he speak? <laughs> like, you know. But I would have I Fair would
0: have enough, been South. more for, i would have been more forgiving if it was Charlie Hunnam doing whatever accent he wanted and everyone yeah, else yeah. around him was doing that Cockney stuff. Yeah. Like, exactly. That yeah. would have Definitely. been way more forgiving than him trying to, you know, stumble over these lines what are clearly written to be delivered. Like you've dealt with. Boys. a real snap, like, <laughs> like no, yeah, I'm yeah, seriously.
1: yeah. All three of us at one point or other tonight have already delivered a more coherent and cogent cut reaction <laughs> than he has at any point during a £170 million blockbuster, so. Him and Elijah
2: Wood are going to do you in if you keep dissing him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I thought earlier, you know, I was a bit worried because I called, <laughs> at one point I accidentally called him. Schmeichel hummus (laughs) (laughs) and I thought like hang on that is uh, I didn't mean that it's just
2: getting like (laughs) Like borderline offensive
1: (laughs) (laughs) like when I was you know earlier when you guys were saying like you know Robbie's gonna come for you you know like I was like you guys didn't even hear that (laughs)
2: anyway
1: anyway uh, can we just remind everyone that there is a comp on at the moment. Now, get yes. get your entries in. The question is... No, actually, we're not going to go with the question first. We're going to go with what you can win, you cheeky little devils. You can win a nice, pristine copy of Die Hard and a nice,
0: pristine copy of The Kingsman. Is it called Kingsman or The Kingsman? Yeah. Kingsman Secret Service—it's the first one, I think. It's the one where it's, it's the good one. <laughs> yes, the
1: good one. <laughs> yeah, you will have those sent to you prior to Christmas, in time for Santa's arrival, with a can of John Smith's. I'm still standing to that, boys. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna add a can of John Smith's.
2: Yeah. To this. No, well, you promised it to the listeners. Now, well, exactly, so. exactly.
1: And you've just got to tell us um, what connects uh, Kevin Bacon with Martin Scorsese. Uh, conversely, what can, connects? Martin Scorsese with Kevin Bacon. The fewest moves wins it. Yes. Okay. So get in touch on, and, and actually let's sign off here. Get in touch with the answer and just get in touch in general at Twitter at FYR Pod or email at ReconsiderPod at gmail.com. And we never ask for anything. You guys, you get hours of entertainment. Um, the least you can do is sling us five stars on your podcast listening thing, couldn't you, your load of skin flints? So, uh...
0: <laughs> I don't even think I've done it myself yet. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I don't know how to do it. I tried and didn't know how to do it. Uh,
0: yeah, love you all. Take care. Say goodbye, boys. See ya. See you later, my muckers.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shall we lead it out with just Absolutely a series continue. of Charlie Hunnam's Cockney accents from Green Street?
1: <laughs> from Green Street? I've not even heard it in Green Street. Oh fuck off you're having a bu-